my thoughts have been turned today uh, to a verse which occurs more than once in the book of Ezra. But before I give you that text, let me just fill in the background, the historical background, to this book and the chapters we have before us tonight. The book of Ezra tells the story of the Jews' return from Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, invaded Judah in 606 BC and he took away captive certain members of the royal family. Then a second attack was made in 597 BC when he took the princes, the officers, and the chief men. And then a third attack took place in 586 BC when he took captive the king Zedekiah and 832 others, leaving only a remnant in the land. It was on that third attack that the temple was destroyed. In the year 539 BC, Babylon fell to the Persians and to a man called Cyrus, who was then the king of Persia. The following year, 538, Cyrus issued a decree concerning the release of the Jewish exiles, the Jewish captives. And there were three returns to Babylon. The first was in 537 BC under a man called Zerubbabel. And we find that return described in the book of Ezra, chapters 1 to 6. The second return took place in 458 BC under Ezra. The man whose name appears in the title of this book. And that return is described in chapters 7 to 10 of the book of Ezra. And then the third return took place in 444 BC under Nehemiah. And that return and its consequence is described in the book of Nehemiah. Well, the chapter where the text is, or where one of the texts is to be found, here is chapter 8. The book of Ezra, chapter 8. And this chapter describes the return under Ezra in 458. And he brought back with him 1,754 
men. The journey took some four months and the leader of the returning captives was this man Ezra, a descendant of Aaron, the great high priest. And he's described as a scribe, an interpreter, teacher of the law. And in chapter 8 and verse 18, we find a striking phrase used. Chapter 8, verse 18, the good hand of our God upon us. That's not the only place where that phrase is to be found. If you look back to chapter 7 and verse 6, we read at the end of that verse, according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. Verse 9 at the end, the good hand of his God upon him. Verse 28 of chapter 7, I was strengthened as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. And then in chapter 8, in verse 22, we read again of the good hand of the Lord. And we find in verse 18, the good hand of the Lord our God upon us. Verse 31, the hand of our God was upon us. And even when we come into the book of Nehemiah and chapter 2 and verse 8, further reference to the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. And then in verse 18, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. So there are numerous references to the good hand of God upon Ezra and upon the people of his day. Well, let's go to chapter 8 and find one of those references in verse 18. The good hand of our God upon us. Ezra and his companions began the 900-mile journey from Babylon to Jerusalem. They began it in March, April, 458 BC, and they arrived in Jerusalem four months later. And their safe journey 
during that period is acknowledged to be on account of the protective hand of God. The good hand of our God upon us. So this evening I wanted to look at that phrase and speak first of the hand, secondly the good hand, and thirdly the good hand of our God upon us. First of all then, the hand. The text is there in Hebrew, uh, Ezra 8 and verse 18. The good hand of our God upon us. Now in scripture, the hand often is a symbol for the power and the might of others. In the book of Judges, for example, we have an example, Judges 1 and uh, verse 35. Although it's not a particular verse, so I've put that down wrongly, but it speaks of those who uh, succeeded and overcame by their hand. It is 35, actually. Uh, yet the hand of the house of Joseph prevailed so that the others became tributaries. Judges 1.35, the hand there at the house of Joseph means the power of that particular people. So sometimes the hand refers to human power, and sometimes it refers to divine power, as in the book of Exodus and chapter 15 and verse 6. We read that in the song which was sung at the Red Sea, these words appear, Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. There the hand represents not human power, but divine power. And it's therefore fairly natural that in course of time, the hand and the hand of God came to represent the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit was a Holy Spirit of power. And so we can understand why that is. In 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 46, we read, The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And that clearly means that the Spirit of God rested upon Elijah. 
And then in 2 Kings, uh, chapter 3 and verse 15, Elisha is in view. Now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of God. And there is one reference in the New Testament to this in the book of Acts and chapter 11 and uh, verse 21 we read these words and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord so we can say that the hand often represents power. It can be the power of man. It can be the power of God. And the hand ultimately comes to mean the power of the Lord by the Holy Spirit. Now that hand is needed. And Ezra therefore speaks of the hand, the good hand of the Lord upon him. Why is it that we need the power of God by the Holy Spirit to be upon us? The answer is because of our insufficiency and because of our weakness we need a hand. Scripture says in Isaiah 40 that all flesh is as grass. We are naturally weak and we need a helping hand. We read in Jeremiah 17 and verse 5, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and puts his confidence in the arm of flesh. In other words, we are weak, and so are others. And so it's there's no point in relying upon them. Insufficient is the word used by Paul. Insufficient even to think anything of ourselves. But when the hand of God is made manifest and when God's power comes to a man, no matter that he be weak and incapable in himself, but God's power more than makes up for that and God's power makes weakness strength. And so we read in the book of Judges and chapter 14 and uh, verse 19, these words, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. That's Samson. And 
in the power of that spirit, he slew 30 men and took their spoil. So weaken ourselves strong in our God. Now at times, this power seems to be withdrawn so that God's people feel the need of God in a new way. But alas, they feel that the support they've had in the past and the succor they've known is, is no longer theirs. It seems as if God's hand is withdrawn, as if it's hidden in his bosom, as if he doesn't stir to help. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 74 and verse 11, we read of the psalmist beseeching God to come to his help and to put forth his power on his behalf. Let me read you the words of Psalm 74 and verse 11. Why withdrawest thou thy hand, even thy right hand? Pluck it out of thy bosom, for God is my king of old, working salvation or deliverance in the midst of the earth. Yes, hand is a symbol of power. And we need the hand of God to be upon us because of our inherent weakness and frailty. But sometimes that hand is conspicuous by its absence. And sometimes we are left longing that God would answer prayer and come to our relief, that he would withdraw his hand, pluck it out of his bosom and evidence his power to save. While well, suddenly a power can be manifested, often through answer to prayer. If you consider Psalm 31 and verse 22, I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, Thou heardst the voice of my supplication when I cried to thee. He, he felt that God had not helped him. In his power, God had not come to him. He was, as a man, separated from God, he felt, cut off from God. Nevertheless, Thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. An amazing thing suddenly happened. The power of God was manifested. 
We have much the same thing in Psalm 77, verse 10, where the psalmist says, Have God forgotten to be gracious? I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember, in other words, times when it was as bleak as now, and God was as silent as now, when there was no evidence of God's activity in help. But I don't doubt that that can change, because there have been times in the past when he has stretched out his right hand and he has wrought for us. I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. And this is something experienced. And God's people have known it when suddenly the power has come to them. The power comes from a higher source. It's something supernatural. And it's something which comes and remarkably changes both the circumstance and the condition. The hand of God. In chapter 1 of the book of Genesis, it says, And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the deep. The power of God began to move, and the effect, creation. In Acts chapter 10, we read that again, as Peter was preaching, the power of God descended upon Cornelius and upon his family. That makes such a difference when we recall this in Scripture. Because we may have a huge problem in our lives and we don't know how it can be solved or how they can be solved. We don't know how they can be overcome. We only know that what's required is a power greater than our own. And that power can suddenly come. And it can change darkness to light. And it can change a heathen into a Christian. And God still has that power. In Isaiah 59, we read, verse 1, that his hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. He's able to exert power in the case of an extremity, and he's able to recover losses, and he is able to transform our lives by his Almighty power. Well, how useful this is in the knowledge of God's people. God has the power, the power to deliver us from problematic circumstance, the power to deliver us from depressing condition, God has the power 
in the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32.3, Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. And in Psalm 62 we read, Power belongeth unto God. He does have power. Power to meet our need. Power to change our state. Power to bring peace back to our hearts and joy to our lips. The power belongs to God. And he can come in for us to effect deliverance. Psalm 139 and verse 10 speaks of us going to the ends of the earth. And even there shall thy hand find me. Even there I won't be beyond the power of God. However far I travel and however remote from God's people, God's hand can find me there. And his power can answer my prayers and his power can fulfill his promises. His power can bless his people over and above what they ask and what they think. So the hand, I want you to think about the hand. And I want you to remember that however alarming something may be, However disturbing, however overwhelming, there is an invisible hand which can come to help us. It can strengthen and support us. It can deliver us. That hand is the good hand of our God upon us. So the first point is the hand. They're returning to Ezra 8.18. Let me speak secondly of the good hand, because that text speaks of the good hand of our God upon us. Now, in Scripture, it's clear that power can be exerted for different reasons. It can be power exerted to bring evil, or it can be power exerted to bring good. We read of some in Isaiah 5 and verse 25, Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he hath stretched forth his hand against them, and hath smitten them. That's a hand stretched out in judgment. But the hand of God can be stretched out for blessing. And when we read in Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 7, 
that God will turn his hand upon the little ones. It means the hand of blessing, the hand of comfort. The fact is that the good hand of our God upon us is what we know and believe that God's power towards us is known and it's a power of good. It's a power of blessing. He doesn't raise his hand to smite. He raises his hand to heal. Thou art good, says the psalmist, and doest good, and that particularly to thy people. God's hand is gentle and kind towards those who believe in him. You might remember what is written of God in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 20. Beautiful words quoted from the book of Isaiah and they are these a bruised reed shall he not break and smoking flax shall he not quench he deals so tenderly with the bruised reed and the flickering flax How gentle and kind his dealings with us. The good hand of our God upon us. And that good hand of God is full of blessing. And God gives to us out of his fullness. And so it's a good hand. He has all the blessings conceivable at his disposal. And when he gives his gifts to us, they're according to that blessing which he possesses. It's lavish. It's abundant. The good hand of the Lord our God upon us. We read in James chapter 1 that he gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. How liberal, how generous has God been to us when we consider our faith, when we consider our prayers, when we consider our faithfulness. It's a wonder that God has blessed us with anything. And yet he's blessed us with everything. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. It's the good hand, the good hand of our God. And that good hand is a sure hand. It does not fail. 
God does not fail. It's a wise hand. He's a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. It's an open hand in that he is able and willing to act for us even in the worst of circumstances, even though it's a time of great uh, darkness, the future is dismal, we can't see any light on the horizon, it seems that it gets darker and darker the further we look. And yet God's hand is sure when we need it. it it's wise coming just at the point of need and it's open, it's got new expectation to give to us and recovery of praise to us because God is so good. And God can come in for us at that point of need. He can come in for us. We may feel very depressed, we might even feel desperate, but remember the hand, the good hand of our God. It's the Lord's hand, and that hand is on our side. That hand can be exercised for our good. That hand means that we are never left to despair. This is thine hand. The Lord hath done it. The good hand of our God upon us. And we might be looking at something in our lives and thinking, how am I going to cope with that? How am I going to deal with that? How am I going to survive that? And we get very timorous, frightened, vexed, because we just don't feel that we can handle this. Too great a problem, too great a fear. But then we remember God's hand. And that hand can be taken out of his bosom. That hand can evidence strength. And that hand can be put forth on our behalf. So all is not lost. All is not over. Because the hand of God is amazing. And the hand of God will recover us. The good hand of our God upon us. I thought a little further of that good hand of our God. What does the hand do? It possesses us. We might have a valuable in the house and we might take it from where it is safely placed and 
hold it for a little while in our hand. It's ours, you see. It belongs to us, and therefore it's in our hand. God's people belong to him, and he owns them and claims them. He holds them in his hand. That's what we read in Deuteronomy 33 and verse 3. All I saints are in his hand. A wonderful thing to think that God recognizes us as his people, his peculiar possession. They shall be mine, he says, in the day when I make up my jaws. First, then, possession. Second, loving, tender care. The hand is stretched out sometimes to soothe or to help. God's hand is stretched out for that purpose. He careth for you and he will look after you and he will soothe you in your trial and he will support you through what you fear, the good hand of our God upon us. And that's particularly true when we're in sad times, perhaps. There's reason to fear on this side and that side. But God, in a gracious providence, keeps us safe. And it's the hand of God that does that. Even in this storm, even when everything is changing, even when life is one great turmoil, the hand of God preserves us. We are kept by the power of God. So the good hand means that he owns us, he cares for us, he protects us and preserves us in his providence. He, fourthly, he abides with us, communes with us, gives us himself to feel and to know the hand of God upon us. And that must be our blessing, mustn't it? When in the Old Testament, the blessing of children took place. The hand was often stretched out, placed on their heads. So God stretches out his hand and he blesses us. Even though we got the fears and even though we, we don't know what to think and even though we're in perplexity, his hand consoles us, relieves us and gives us peace, the good hand of our God upon us. That hand teaches us, just as Moses 
wrote the Ten Commandments on tables of stone. God can write upon the tables of our hearts the truths of his word. That hand can lead us when we don't know which way to go, when we are confused, and when we long to take the best road. We don't know which road that is. He leads us by the hand. He guides us into a safe place. And finally, he keeps us safe. He keeps us safe there. The beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him. So remember, my friends, in all your concern and all your fearfulness and your agitation of heart, remember the hand which is able to deal with everything. And remember that it's a good hand. It doesn't do you evil. It does you good. It doesn't make you sad. It makes you happy. It doesn't take away from you. It gives to you. Matter for praise. So it's the hand. And it's the good hand. And thirdly and lastly, it's the good hand of our God upon us. I think that indicates something. The good hand of our God upon us. The hand touches us, communicates with us, deals with us in a familiar way. The good hand of our God upon us. What's being described here is a sense of God. And we need that. We need a fresh sense of God. Maybe there's something we've got to do in the next few days. and Our hearts are troubled and they're weak and anxious. A sense of God will help here. Maybe there's something we've got to face and we don't want to face it. And it takes our sleep away and our peace away. But the sense of God will help us face it. The good hand of our God upon us. And that hand of God can move. God can exert his power. God can display his might in changing things wonderfully, altering our course, granting us a different experience. The good hand of our God upon us. And we with that sense of God, will be under God and will be at rest. 
God is with us. God has assured us. The unfailing God is our portion. Under God, all will be well. Why? Because the power of God is adequate. The hand of God is exceedingly strong. And God will take our part. God is on our side. And God will demonstrate what that means by coming to our assistance when we are ready to faint and when we are ready to fall. The good hand of our God upon us. My friends, we are never alone. The Lord of hosts is with us. And sometimes we feel that more than ever before. Sometimes we know that because of the impress of the invisible hand. The best of all is that God is with us. So bring your fear to this verse. Bring your trembling heart to this verse. Bring all your anxieties and depressions to this verse. And read for yourself what it says. The good hand of our God upon us. So we're not destitute. We're not bereft. We have our God at our side and his hand is upon us to reassure us that he will undertake for us and he will surely see us through the darkest valley and the darkest night. All will be well, my friends. All will be well. I believe that. Whatever I face, whatever we face as a church, all must be well because of the hand of God. That hand will see to it that all is well. That you, that you are well. That I, that I am well. We have a God who will look after us to the very end. So all must be well. The good hand of our God upon us.